Coming at you from historic New Brunswick, New Jersey, this is the Matt Ward History Experience. My name's Matt Ward, and I'll be your tour guide today. This month's episode of the Matt Ward History Experience features a segment of Let's Talk History that was recorded on location at Pier 3 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The Matt Ward History Experience is brought to you by One Stone Recording and Mastering in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Check out One Stone Recording and Mastering for all of your mixing and mastering needs. One Stone Recording and Mastering is online at onestonerecording.com. We're going to start off the fifth episode of the Matt Ward History Experience with a segment of Let's Talk History from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This month's interview is with Philadelphia author, historian, and tour guide, Harry Korea Codis. During this interview, we were able to discuss Harry's works and the history of Philadelphia. Without further delay, here it is. Let's talk history. Please introduce yourself to my listeners. I'm Harry Kiriakotis, um, a amateur historian, but people say I'm a historian as well, just a regular historian, of Philadelphia. When did you become interested in the history of Philadelphia? When I moved to this place, which we're at night right now, Pier 3 Condominium in 1997, I realized that I had been missing so much living out in the suburbs, and the suburbs were so boring compared to the city. So that's when I became more history-oriented, and I started collecting books about the city and learning more about it. You were known throughout the greater Philadelphia area for having one of the largest, if not the largest, private collection of books on the city of Philadelphia. How many books are in your collection? Uh, about 2,700 individual titles, plus loads of ephemera, um, brochures, magazine uh, articles, and things like that. Um, you may ask why I started collecting them. Again, it's my, my ultimate love of the city and to learn more about it. When did you start collecting these books? In 1997, when I moved into town and realized that I wanted to learn more about it. Do you have a favorite book in your collection? No. Uh, my, my own books. Oh, your uh, own books? Yeah. Well, that's about <laughs> it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite part of Philadelphia history that you collect books on? Well, I've always been partial to the waterfront where I live now, and that's why I decided to write about the waterfront. So anything that, that deals with the old city area, the, the Society Hill area, Northern Liberties area, that's what I've always uh, been more attracted to. And I'm also very attracted to industrial history of Philadelphia. You are the author of three books entitled Philadelphia's Lost Waterfront, Northern Liberties, The Story of a Philadelphia River Ward, and the Benjamin Franklin Parkway. What inspired you to write each one of these books? Well, after collecting books for about 10 years, I finally just determined that I should write a book. You know, it takes us, took me 10 years to figure that out. And um, I wanted to do a book that I would be most comfortable with, and I liked the waterfront area, so I said, okay. I proposed Philadelphia's Lost Waterfront to the publisher, and they accepted the idea. Um, and that's why I wrote my first book. Oh, the, the, the second one, Northern Liberties, The Story of the Philadelphia River Ward, I had realized that there had never been a book about Northern Liberties, despite all of its... Um, press coverage in the papers these days and, and, and uh, how popular it is. So I determined to write the first book that was strictly about Northern Liberties and, um, you know, to solve 
questions and to uh, be a guide for people who move to Northern Liberties. The Benjamin Franklin Parkway book is a uh, Arcadia uh, postcard history book that uh, the publisher Arcadia uh, contacted me to write, and I was flattered that they did, and so I determined to do that. What was your favorite book to write? I guess it was my first one because uh, this was an exciting new uh, project for me to to collect the material, mostly from the books that are in my collection, and to organize it in a way that I thought would be most beneficial for anyone reading it. And it's a chronology. No, it's not really a chronology. It's a geographic type of history. We start at Spring Garden Street, and we walk along the waterfront to Washington Avenue, and I thought that that was a clever way to put it together. In your book, Philadelphia's Lost Waterfront, you wrote about the cave dwellings that the early Quaker settlers of Philadelphia inhabited. I found this chapter of the book particularly interesting. Can you please tell my listeners more about these cave dwellings? Sure. Well, first of all, I had always, in my book collection, I had always seen passing references to these caves, and I, I couldn't find anything more specific about or about it, so I determined to to research it as much as possible. Um, in the earliest days of Philadelphia, in the late 1600s, there was nothing but forest here, so the early Quaker settlers needed a place to stay, to, to reside in while their regular house was being built, and many of them decided to live in these caves, which they dug out into the bank of the Delaware River, the western bank, and um, the bank of the Delaware River was about 20 to 40 feet tall, so um, there was plenty of places in there that they could have uh, dug their little abodes, and they did. They lived in there uh, for the first, uh, I think I said in my book that uh, for the first five or ten years of Philadelphia, like 50% of the population lived in the in the caves. Um, and then when one family moved out, they their cave was left there, and another family, another immigrant or settler uh, family moved in. So I, I like that little process right there. And um, then eventually many of these caves became scenes of inequity, uh, dens of iniqu- iniquity. Iniquity. Iniquity, yes. Thank you. Um, dens of iniquity with prostitution and gambling houses, uh, things that you wouldn't associate with Quakers very much, but that's Quakers are no saints, so that's <laughs> the way it turns out, usually. <laughs> are there any remnants of these cave dwellings still standing in the city? Well, not really that anyone could go and visit. Some of the houses along Water Street between Vine and Callow Hill have deep basements, which and, and these basements go underneath the sidewalk of Front Street, and there's no way to prove it, but um, the residents there say that those are the uh, remains of the caves. You write a lot about historic sites that have been lost over the span of Philadelphia's transportation developments. Is there a historic site in Philadelphia that was demolished that you believe the city had an obligation to preserve for the benefit of future Philadelphians? I guess... The only thing that really comes to mind now is Broad Street Station, which I would have loved to have seen. Um, surprisingly, when they tore that down in the 50s, no one really cared. And I guess that goes to the apathy that is that the city seems to suffer a lot. 
I can't think of any other specific transportation-related things that the city should have saved. Uh, the city does has done a good job, whether it knows it or not, uh, of of really retaining much of the old transportation network that it had for for the last hundred years. Um, so there's really not that much that has been lost. But Broad Street Station is the biggest example that I can think of off the top of my head. How about with the with the build construction of I ninety five? Were there any sites well, that were lost? Certainly, a lot of sites were lost along the Delaware River Western Bank because of the construction of ninety five, and that's really what compelled me to write Philadelphia's Lost Waterfront. What was there? What was lost? And um, there were a lot of things that I recount that were. There, for example, Stephen Gerard's house, the richest man in America when he died, his house is underneath lanes of I-95, and there's no place to even put a historical marker there because there's a highway running through it. And that's the house that he would he would send up his servants to look on the Delaware River to see his ships coming in from distant parts of the world, bringing in goods uh, from China and India. Um, so I, I, I think that's one small example as to what was lost along the riverfront. Are you currently working on a fourth book? Not at the moment. Um, but if I had to do another book, I keep thinking that Southwark or Queens Village, Queens Village, yeah, Queens Village in Philadelphia deserves a book. There's never been a, a book about that particular part of town. So if I was to start again, I might do something about that part of town. You're a contributor to the popular website, Hidden City Philadelphia. When did you start contributing to this website? I think when it first started in 2011 or early 12, 2011. And I was asked by Nathaniel Popkin to, to put in my, my slant, which is history-based but tied to the present. And I, I enjoy... Um, I enjoy church histories because there is a lot written about churches, and I enjoy also examining the the history of specific plots of land to see what their history has been going back as far as possible. I enjoy that type of land use analysis. Which article on this site did you most enjoy preparing and writing? Mm. There was a story I did in 2013, I believe, or was it 12? about the blazing ballerinas and an elephant along Walnut Street, uh, a site near where the Walnut Street Theater is. Walnut Street Theater. Next door to it is now a parking lot, but that was a site of many other theaters throughout history, and many ballerinas who were in these theaters died as a result of fires and periodically the theater would burn down every so often and there would be a number of deaths as a result and there's no marker there's no remembrance of that type of thing uh at all even though at the time that it happened it was national news that this theater burned down and some ballerinas and some firefighters died plus the elephant well colombo the great big elephant of the early 19th century was once in a circus that was on that spot and he he killed his trainer. And so this is a spot that has lots of bad things happen to it. Um, and it's just one area, uh, one little part of Walnut Street there. And I, I did my story on that. And uh, the more I dug, the more I found. Are you currently working on any new articles for the website? Oh, sure. I'm always working on things. 
um, for Hidden City Philadelphia. Uh, very recently, I was working on the history of the Gerard Square block that is currently being redeveloped. Uh, that's between 12th and 13th, no, between 12th and 11th streets. And um, the more I research that, the more I'm interested to see that this block has always been a center of building and activity. It was the same block that had Snellenberger's the department store, but before that it was owned by the Gerard Trust, and uh, they uh, had houses there at one time. And uh, they determined to tear down the houses after about 40, 50 years and build stores, like the stores that became Snellenberger's. And uh, uh, that's to make profit. So I, I, I'm very interested in how land is used, but also how the owners of the land try to eke out as much profit as possible from that land. Stephen Gerard owned that land originally, so I, I like that little bit of history too. Um, and he said that uh, he was someone, uh, I think it was Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's brother, asked Stephen Gerard to buy that particular plot of land. And Stephen Gerard replied something like, uh, oh no, Bonaparte offered to cover the entire square block with silver dollars, something like that, as the as the payment for that property. And Stephen and Stephen Gerard said, "No, Monsieur, but if you standing stand those dollars up edgewise, I might consider it." <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's a good good line. <laughs> You're a member of the Association of Philadelphia Tour Guides. How long have you been involved with this organization? Since its start, I'm a founding certified member, and um, I was looking for an organization to to join that collected a number of people with similar interests as mine, and that's a good group to join if you are interested in Philadelphia history, and um, they have monthly meetings, and they have speakers come in. I've given my slideshow presentation about the waterfront for that group, and uh, uh, it's a great organization to join if you're really into Philadelphia history. What types of tours do you lead in Philly? Well, my, my main one is um, along the waterfront. I talk about what's still there, what has been removed due to the, the highway. Um, I, I really talk about the history of the waterfront from the very beginning until the current day. Uh, the, the other tours that I give include Underground Philadelphia, which is a... Uh, walk through the concourses of the city's transit systems, and I'm very into transit systems, so that's a natural for me. And I also give uh, tours along Callow Hill Street because of the industrial heritage of that particular stretch of land between the two rivers. Um, I give a west and a east Callow Hill Street, and that's for the Preservation Alliance. And, oh, one other tour I give is a walk over the Benjamin Franklin Bridge because from the bridge you can see a lot of things that, that you can't see when you're on the ground. What's your favorite tour to lead? The waterfront tour, because if you, have a, if you need a bathroom break, you just stop at Pier 3, where I live. And, uh, <laughs> and I take people into Pier 3, and I show them the development of the pier. pier tour. Um, so uh, I enjoy that tour the most, and especially that's my, the first tour that I ever developed. These next few questions come from my listeners on Facebook and Twitter. Do you have a favorite Philadelphia neighborhood? I'd say it would have to be Northern Liberties. I had been riding my bike through that part of town 
for a number of years and uh, was intrigued by the the vibe that I got. There's a sense that there's a lot more to this era than I than, than, than meant the eye. And um, as I was researching, trying to find out about it, there was no book about Northern Liberty, so I decided to write my book about that part of town. And um, it's still my favorite part of town. It's just a unique mix of new and old. A lot of new happening lately in Northern Liberties, but there's still a lot of old, too. And you really get the sense that something important has happened here over time. Do you have a favorite Philadelphia historic site? Well, the city is one big historic site, so I don't have a particular favorite. Um, I like the waterworks. The Fairmont Waterworks is a very intriguing place if you know its history. Uh, I like that place a lot. Is there anything else you would like to say to my listeners? Well, currently I'm working on a uh, recorded audio tour of the North Central Philadelphia waterfront, which is basically my, it's taken from my lost Philadelphia's Lost Waterfront book, and uh, it's through a company called Voice Map, and you can Google that uh, information and find Voice Map. They're they're a a group that is uh, uh, seeking tour guides and others in cities all around the world and asking them to record their tours. And uh, I'm the second tour that they have for Philadelphia. I've offered to do more, uh, but basically, as you take this tour with your cell phone and you walk by each historic place or wherever I would like to tell you something about, automatically, based on your location, the the thing starts talking, and it's my voice telling you about this place. So it's kind of a, you know, an adjunct to my regular tour giving jobs, I guess you could say. Oh, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Harry, thank you for sitting down with me this afternoon. That does it for this segment of Let's Talk History. You can check out Harry online via his Amazon.com author page and on the Hidden City Philadelphia website. The links to both websites are posted on my blog. If you have a history event that you would like promoted on my blog and podcast, please contact me via Twitter, Facebook, or on my blog. I'll be happy to promote your event free of charge. That does it for the fifth episode of the Matt Ward History Experience. The Matt Ward History Experience is brought to you by One Stone Recording and Mastering in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Check out One Stone Recording and Mastering for all of your mixing and mastering needs. Go to onestonerecording.com slash mwhistory and receive 10% off of your first session. I want to thank my guest, Harry Korea Codis, and you, the listeners. Harry can be reached via his Hidden City Philadelphia page, and Amazon author page. The links to these sites are posted on my blog. Last, but certainly not least, I want to thank my good friend Peter Lloyd at One Stone Recording and Mastering for providing tech support for this episode. I can be reached on the blog, The Matt Ward History Experience, at mwhistoryexperience.com, on Twitter, at RevWarBuff23, or on my Facebook page. Until next time, I'm Matt Ward, and this is the Matt Ward History Experience.